Hey, Dave. Yeah, Randy. Since we founded Bombas, we've always said our socks, underwear, and T-shirts are super soft. Any new ideas? Maybe sublimely soft. Or disgustingly cozy. Wait, what? I got it. Bombas. Absurdly comfortable essentials for yourself. And for those facing homelessness. Because one purchased equals one donated. Wow, did we just write an ad? Yes. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. Good Monday afternoon to you. I'm Nadine Blaney, and this is The Call. You know the program, 10 companies picked by you, two expert guests over the course of an hour, plus the stock of the day. On this, the 23rd of January, for those of you listening a little bit later on. All right, we've got great company here with us in studio, Nathan Samasandaram from Deep Data Analytics. And also, hi, nice to see you. <laughs> and also Andrew Page from Strawman. Hey, Andrew, strawman.com. It's been a while since we've had a chat. Hey, 2023 has been pretty positive so far. What do you make of it? Yeah. Oh, look, I'll take this over the alternative. Um, but uh, look, we also had a very strong start uh, a couple of years ago. So, you know, one one uh, uh, swallow does not a summer make, but it is it is encouraging. Great. All right. So what we will do is get a view from you, Nathan, as well. Are you still feeling like this is going to be a tough year or are you is this sort of a head fake, this rally that we've had? Uh, look, I mean, it's it's the global flow, so I can see why it's happening. Generally, the first couple of weeks are positive because globally fund managers reallocate and generally into equities, that tends to help. But this is a, a unique one because money is going into equities and bonds. I mean, bonds are rebounding. Uh, mind you, the last quarter was a shocker, historically, so it had to have a bounce. So there's money going in from cash into equities and bonds, happens for the first couple of weeks. And then fundamentals take over as reporting season plays out in the US and in Australia. So we're going into that. So we're going into that transition. I think it's going to be interesting because the market is now getting positive in the context that recession might not happen as badly or might not even happen. Uh, well, the brokers are pushing that anyway. Um, but the underlying thematic for me is still inflation is still an issue, which means costs are high. So it's going to be interesting the reporting season because we're seeing that in the US. Um, and we're going to see that in Australia in the next month. So we're in a time just before the reporting season. So it's fun times. It's going to be fun times. All right. Well, let's see if we can have a fun time here today. And uh, we'll be talking about Insightech Pivot. So looking forward to that one. Develop Global, which I do not know a lot about. Envirosuite, Brainship Holdings, and Money Me in the first half hour of the program. But the stock of the day, I picked it is Circo. I had a chat with one of our New Zealand guests earlier today. It's out upgrading its revenue guidance after what has been a pretty strong December, January trading period. It is a software as a service technology business and it is leveraged to the online, well, to the travel thematic, right? It's an online um, booking system and expense management systems for the travel industry in particular. So it's now expecting revenue to come in between 42 and $47 million. So that's an increase of between 123 and 149% on total income. So Andrew Page, strawman.com, I thought I would start with you on this one because Circo is just one of many little tech companies that was absolutely savaged last year, but you know, potentially, the worst is over. What do you think? 
Well, there'll be a lot of shareholders who, who hope that's the case. I mean, in the last 12 months, shares are off 60-something-odd percent. Uh, since 2021, shares are down 75%. I think we need to um, realistically cut them some slack. Obviously, there was a very obvious reason uh, as to why that's happened. And uh, it looks as though things are starting to improve. I mean, even if you want to sort of take out uh, COVID, the update that they've given here is for something, even at the lower end of that range, is a 70% increase on pre-pandemic revenue. So that's really great. They had a pretty solid, um, if you want to sort of normalize sort of revenue growth uh, since they listed, it was certainly on on the right trajectory. Uh, the thing here, and I think this is this is a theme, Nadine, that you see right across um, the market and particularly in the small cap space is that we went, we've talked about this before, we went from this dynamic where the market only cared about top line growth. And now the market, I think very rightly, cares uh, also about sort of sustainability and unit economics and actual cash flows, because it is a very different environment to sort of tap shareholders on the shoulder and ask them to, to open up their purses and wallets. So um, the, the, they are still um, uh, EBITDA negative here. But if they can if they can resume some kind of um, uh, return to trend on that top line growth, and if they can sort of manage to stand on their own feet, there is potential for a bit of a re-rate. I mean, you, you do also need to put things in context. Despite the narrative, valuation as always matters. And on some very quick numbers, it looks like they're still on about five times sales, which is which is up there. Um, hopefully, they they'd like to get a bit of operating leverage and whatnot out out of the back of that. But look, this is this is a, a nice bounce today. There's a long way to go to catch up on some of those um, those uh, share price levels from uh, a year or two ago. But I'll just be waiting to sort of see, as I said, that things can get closer to a break-even and more sustainable basis. And I think if that can happen, the market will, will likely see a pretty big rewrite. So too soon. If you're in it, would you hold it? I don't know it well enough, but I, I, I'm always a little bit nervous. Travel companies have some some great characteristics, but as we have seen, they can be hypercyclical. So. Um, the good thing about the good thing about well, there's not much good much good about a company that you're sitting on a on a on a, a large capital loss. But one of the good things is you don't have any tax considerations, so you can always sell out, wait to see if things sort of improve, and then get back in. Yes, of course, you risk buying back in at a higher price, but you may be buying back in at a higher price, but with more certainty, and uh, and I think that counts for a lot. So I I'd, I'd potentially be looking to uh, maybe maybe wait to sort of see some some um, firmer signs before I before I was to buy back in. Okay, so that's an avoid. All right, let's get your view, Nathan, because, you know, there are those that are questioning when you start to add some growth back into your portfolio with some of these companies that have been so beaten down. Yeah, uh, it's it's a $64 million question. Um, everyone's uh, basically been trained to buy growth stocks by the dip uh, because there's a bailout of some sort coming. Um, we don't think that's coming. It is a growth value switch. I mean, this one was hit $8 um, in 2021, mm -hmm. peak of the growth cycle. Yeah, uh, I remember. Everyone's paying massive multiples. Uh, but the important thing to look at is where, where they were pre-pandemic. Mm -hmm. So pre-pandemic, they got to about five bucks. So where they are now, it's substantially lower than where they were pre-pandemic. So in context, even if you remove the bubble, it's come off. It's a New Zealand tech. I always like New Zealand techs. Um, and it's... It's very cyclical, obviously, with travel, what's happening. I think the big thing that everyone's going to be worried about is the recovery cycle is reliant on consumer spending, and everyone is expecting consumer spending globally to slow down in 2023. 
So that will have an effect. Um, travel prices are extremely expensive. I mean, whether you look at hotels, airline tickets, all of that, I don't know how long they can hold it together. This is one, it interests me because where it's trading, but Andrew's right, the execution is gonna to be tough in 2023. So I'm not jumping in, but it's one I'm keeping an eye on because it is one when, when we hit the bottom and when we start to look at economic recovery, these are cyclical stocks that have been belted. Mm -hmm. So the upside is there for you to play it. So I like it for that play, but unfortunately I expect over the next three months, you're gonna get a lot more negative economic news because the market's overly optimistic, mm -hmm. uh, whether it's China or Europe. Um, so when that rebalances, I think this will potentially have a problem. So I think it's not gonna do a lot over the next three to four months, but I will be keeping an eye on, and Andrew's right, market is paying, used to pay for top line forecasted growth, now they're paying for profit. Mm -hmm. yep. You've gotta have profit, you've gotta have dividends, that's what they're chasing. And this is not gonna be there in the short term. So you don't need to rush in, but I think this is one you keep on your list. When, when you start to see economic recovery, consumer spending holding up, mm -hmm then you jump into it. So I think you got time, but uh, not right now. There you go, thank you. Let's get to those companies that have been nominated by you. This one is for John. John, I hope you're watching or listening. He says, I've got a simple question. Why isn't SciTech Pivot IPL so cheap? Nathan. Well, it's not really that cheap. Uh, <laughs> I have to admit, it was cheap before. Uh, we were in a long time ago and it's, well, it's sort of like sub, I mean, low, um, $2 and it's now got to four bucks and it's coming off. It's in a consolidation space. Fertilizer prices have come off um, and that's mainly because of how the cost went too high. So the demand has, mm -hmm. and as with anything, demand comes off and prices have come off. But I think the food thematic still plays. Um, and we've seen through what's happening with not just the energy cost, but also in weather uh, related damage to the supply chains. So that's going to keep the food thematic uh, strong in 2023. And that should support fertilizers going forward. Too many players in Europe struggle with high energy prices to keep the fertilizer side of it going. And Intertech Pivot benefits from that. So I do like it. It looks cheap because everyone knows that the fertilizer prices should mm -hmm. be higher. So I think there is a play for it. We like it, we hold it. Um, we, we don't see it as cheap. We don't see it as expensive either. So we're still, it's a hold for us. Yep and I'll, I'll keep that recommendation. It's a hold, it's a, I think the thematic works, the business is better than what it used to be, but this is, you know, this is linked to mm -hmm. what happens in the market with fertilizer. So Andrew, is um, Insightech Pivot, I mean, Nathan says it's not that cheap anymore. Is it cheap enough to make you put your money there? Because yeah, we've been talking, it's a bit of a rotation out of these high growth companies into value and also the thematics that will resonate through this year and beyond. Yeah, I mean, I can see where John's coming from. If you if you have a look at the the quoted PE, it's seven. I mean, that's that's cheap. Uh, all things being equal, um, so I'm, I, the first thing I did was just jump and look at the the consensus uh, forecasts for per share earnings, and for whatever reason, analysts who follow this are seeing a pretty sharp pull off. So e earnings per share. 53 cents odd in 2022, you go out to 2025 and it's 27 cents per share. So that's nearly being cut in half. I'm not exactly sure what the reason uh, for that is. Uh, obviously there's an increase in cost of raw materials, things like natural gas, ammonia, that kind of thing. There's a, there's a 
pretty big amount of debt there. There's a billion dollars in debt. And uh, to be fair, that doesn't mature until 2024. I don't think there's anything they need to refinance before then. But that's that's likely going to see a bit of an, uh, a, a jump in the um, interest rate. Um, it's also a business that requires a huge amount of uh, capital expenditure requirement. They've been doing all kinds of strategic reviews and investments and stuff. It, it costs a lot of money. Um, and there's also, I think, a bit of uncertainty. There's always been talk um, about splitting this company in two between the fertilizer and the explosive mm-hmm. businesses as one of these ways to sort of get, you know, one plus one to equal more more than two. Um, sometimes that's that's justified. But, um, uh, yeah, th- there's a lot of moving parts to to all of that. I mean, the other thing is, I think, is, is that you you the devil's always in the detail but don't always assume that the market is right we know uh doing this show in particular you know that there's a lot of stuff out there that is crazy expensive for ages and then crazy cheap and you know the market's got it wrong all the time so actually what you want is to be able to say yes this is cheap not the market's thinks it's cheap therefore it's cheap you know you've got to make that independent independent assessment because if you're just going to to, to, to do what the market tells you. I, I think that's a recipe for, for, for disaster. So um, look, I'll back Nathan on this. He, he seems to know the business uh, very well. If you feel for whatever reason that they can avoid any material decline in those, um, at least in what's already expected, it probably is pretty cheap. But just bear in mind that there's a, this, this is, as I say, pretty cyclical, pretty capital intensive, little bit of debt so it's not it doesn't usually fit, well it doesn't fit the mold for the kind of stocks that, that i like so it's it's an avoid for me but only because it's sort of outside of that circle of competence thank you let's get to the next on the list which is develop global dvp this is for john i don't have any um context around it but basically this is another explorer that's looking at developing sites that will bring about you know clean technology. So those minerals that we talk about often, you know, copper, zinc, um, lithium, I do believe. Um, I don't know a lot about it, uh, to be completely honest. I'm sure you've had to do your research as well, Andrew. So maybe this one, you know, buy, hold, sell today when there's just so many operators in that space. Yeah, and they're all benefiting from a narrative. And it's a pretty cool narrative. You know, the world's going to need a lot of this stuff. And hey, we've we look like we've got a little bit of it and and away you go and i just think it's a recipe for disaster when you when you operate as an investor at that first level thinking i mean everyone knows the narrative there at the end of the day cash flows are what matter and so you might have you know gigatons of lithium or whatever under the ground but you got to you got to develop that resource and you know it takes many years and lots and lots of capital and then by the time you do uh, you know, the market environment could be incredibly difficult. And of course, it's not just developed global that are doing this. I mean, it's just there's a, there's a thousand of them, a thousand of them out there and they're all playing the same theme. And so that's going to mean uh, a lot of supply is going to come onto the market at some point in time. That's going to change the market dynamics. Um, Increasing supply, all else being equal, is going to bring prices down. So I'm not saying that, that, that these narratives are untrue and that the world won't need and demand and produce more of this stuff. They will. But but you know, it, you've got to go deeper than that. Um, they've got $26 million worth of, of cash here. If you if you pro and if you pro rider out the last six months, I think they're burning through about five million or so per annum. So that's good. There's a there's a little bit of a runway. It looks like they've also got a bit of a mining services division there as well, which might sort of help bring in a little bit of operating cash flow while they get the other things up and running. But 
look, I mm-hmm. each to their own, each to their own, Nadine. For me, I just kind of think that it's just it's so uncertain. And if, if the market's just going to get super psyched about a story without having, you, you really have to have a clear picture of cash flows mm-hmm. when and how much and how does that relate to the current share price? Not just like, you know, the world needs lithium, therefore anything that has lithium is going to, you know, go up and up and up and up. It, it doesn't work that way. We, we've seen it play out with with graphene. We've seen it play mm-hmm. out with you know, anything that's sort of hot. It, it races up as everyone gets excited and then it all falls away again. So uh, absolute avoid for me. It's just way too speculative, way too early. Thank you. Nathan, do you see it any different? The interesting part, I mean, look, I agree with uh, Andrew on most of the points. I mean, you have to be careful when everyone is extremely, right yeah. now, everyone's chasing any base metal, any gold, any lithium. Yeah. Um, I think the most crowded trade in uh, Aussie fund managers is lithium. So uh, you can see how that plays out and that's fine. It's outperformed and people are chasing outperformed ideas. Um, what I like about it is, um, despite the risk and being a, such a small cap, is MinRes owns uh, more than 10%, it's about 12%. Okay. Management, senior manager owns about 14, 15%. BlackRock, two parts of BlackRock, probably around just short of 10%. So there's a fair chunk being held by a couple of big players. Yeah, right. And I always like to play in the explorers where the other bigger players got a chunk of it because sooner or later that's set up for MA. Yep. Either they're looking to take it over or they're trying to block someone else taking over, which means they rate it. So, so the, 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 you get a free, uh, I guess, uh, boost to your mm-hmm. brand by association. Uh, and Minres, look, you can either like him or hate him, but he's good, uh, he's executed. And when Minres owns chunk of you, uh, you look good. So that's probably the positive. But Andrew is right. You, are, you can pick stocks right now uh, that are actually producing and relatively in value territory. So for me, those are the players you wanna be. When the producers become expensive, then I go to the explorers. Mm-hmm. Because naturally that's where the cycle will go, that's where the multiple expansion will come. So for me, I'm not jumping into explorers, uh, but look, if you're a holder of um, uh, develop, uh, DVP, I'd hold it. I mean, MinRes is telling you that there is um, something to the project and what they're doing and the management has MinRes support. So in that context, I'm happy to hold, but this will be volatile. Um, so the, the, the smart thing to do is it's a bit like um, you know, call. When you were in the early days and the call ran up, you, you basically sell out a call and buy yeah. other resu- other energy sectors, uh, parts of, say, energy. Similarly, I would say if you've held it for a while, you've done well, you're better off going to a bit more diversified players. But look, if you are in the higher speculative end, then I think it's okay. fine. Good. Interesting. All right. Let's get to Enviro Suite. I'm going to start with you on this one, Andrew. Um, look, I think that what it does sounds really good, you know, and it's uh, pretty practical in what it's trying to achieve in terms of water and waste. But again, its share price over the past year uh, is down by 38%. I mean, this has not been a good investment. Um, What do you make of it? This is for Peter. I think it's been a fantastic investment. I've more than doubled my money in this over the years. Uh, Since 2017, I'm a long-term investor. and I think, I think um, yeah, you could probably make the argument that shares got a little bit overvalued. But the the um, the fact of the matter is that the recur- annualized recurring revenue of this thing has been growing really attractively for a long time. It's just sort of that lovely staircase, bottom left, 
top right kind of story. I think they probably made, uh, I wasn't thrilled with their acquisition of EMS, which brought them into the uh, noise management side of things with, with uh, airports. Airports, again, for obvious reasons, took a real hit in recent years as, as every plane in the world was essentially grounded. And that's, that's not great for your spend there. But the real engine of this business is, uh, is the Omnis division. They, they do environmental monitoring for industrial mining sites and the like. It made up half of the new sales that they get. The thing's growing like the clappers. It's all um, very capital light. They, they use other third-party sensors and they plug it all into their uh, software, which is entirely agnostic on that front. And you have very, very high retention. And you have a lot of, you have a, a big uh, market opportunity here with some very big players in it. They tend to sort of take it and test it on a few sites, and then there's a lot of potential for that to roll out within sites. And so, this is this is a business that, um, uh, again, like my earlier comments, they they really do need to get to EBITDA positive or cash flow positive, at least on the operating sense, pretty soon. The market was forgiving of that for a while. They reckon that they can get there on an adjusted basis this year. Um, uh, if they can, I think there's potential for a real re-rate. The water business is nascent. It's tiny, but super exciting and very, very high margin there as well. So I think what's nice about this kind of business is it's got a lot of optionality. It's got a lot of sales momentum. Um, I think the, the balance sheet's in pretty good shape. From memory, I 13, 14, 15 million dollars in cash and, and no debt there. So I think they'll avoid a capital raise if, if the sales momentum continues. And then when that happens, I, I think that there's a, there's a lot of upside potential. So I own it. It has to be a buy. It's a buy. Would you be buying Mathan EnviroSuite now or what would you be looking for uh, to, to make it a buy if it's not? Yeah, look, it's... I know where Andrew is coming from. This is a classic trading stock. When the market gets excited, because it's such blue sky, I'm a sucker for blue sky. So this has got multiple blue skies in play, but it's always been a, a tough, you know, tough execution to get that consistently going. And Andrew's right. The market is waiting for these kind of stories to actually start executing and executing consistently and mm-hmm. building up their PL and showing the pathway to getting into the black. So in that context, I think there's still roadway to go. There is risk. This is high risk, but I do like it. Um, they do have enough pieces that are doing relatively well. Um, and you just have to never buy into the huge run-ups. Mm-hmm. It, it has these cycles where it goes pops really hard because everyone gets excited and jammed up. Uh, but it's come off. I, I'd be keeping an eye on this one. I'm not buying it right now, but I would keep an eye on this. If it gets below, I'd say around the uh, around eight, nine cents, I'd pick up a few. And I'll build that over time because I think when, when the numbers, when the market gets overly pessimistic, then it's easier for them to beat expectations. I think it's going to take a bit of time. In this kind of market, it's always going to be tough. I think the cap raising risk is going to be hanging over them. But geez, you got to have, you know, if you want to have speculative plays, this has got enough blue skies that mm-hmm. you're going to have a bounce every so often. And historically speaking, once a year, it has a pretty decent run. And I'd be adding to it gradually over the next six months. And then you, you'll, you'll get that kick at some point. Yeah, okay, thank you. That's EnviroSuite. Number four on the list is Brainchip Holdings. Now, I don't mean to be favoring you in any way. I'm totally agnostic when it comes to my guests, but I thought I might start with Andrew on this one as well. Brainchip, it's got some big investors behind it. Again, it is one of those companies that many say is nothing but a story stock. It's just a narrative that people have latched onto. There's not a lot of actual you know, earnings or, or even, you know, um, uh, 
well, product behind it as of yet. What do you think? This one's for Kath. This is, I'm, it's hard to think of a, a company that divides investors more than, more yeah, than Brainship. Yeah, it really does. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sort of play it down the middle here. I don't hold any. I'm not interested in holding any. I'll, I'll tell you my reasons why in a moment. But they're developing neuromorphic chips. It's a very big um, word. I don't really know what it means. But I do know it's associated with AI edge computing. In fact, they're the world's first commercial producer of these things. Their chip is called the Akita chip. And I'll, I'll, they, are, they have gone from an R&D stage to a commercial phase so th th this is you know where this might differ from an audio pixels or something like that they've actually got a product they've got um commercial manufacturing agreements and they're ramping it up they're getting revenues in so i actually think that this is a business that is that is sort of crossing that chasm of all blue sky to oh actually they've got a product and and wow they're actually selling some so that's all that's all pretty good news where I sort of fall over is that, and I made this case a year ago when the shares were at, well, the company was valued at 2.2 billion, billion, that's with a B, dollars. Um, it's come back a long way here. It's still valued at a billion dollars. So even if somehow they managed to get to $200 million in sales in quick fashion, you're still looking at a five times multiple here. So my worry is, and, and I know I repeat myself on this front, but I think as an investor, what you need to look for is asymmetry. The heads I win, the tails I don't lose too much. So here you've got a business that let's say that they capture a significant part of the market and all the cash flows are well out into the future, but they may come. If you're taking a 10 year view, that, that absolutely might come. But at a billion dollars, a huge amount of that optimism is priced in. So it's entirely possible to get, get the overall thesis right, but still not make returns, or at least not the kind of returns that justify the risk. On the flip side of that, maybe they they fail to get the traction that they want. I mean, they're up against people such as NVIDIA. This is a company that has $46 billion in revenue and operates at net margins of more than 30%, uh, huge R&D budgets and capacity and, and all the rest of it. So I don't I don't want to be negative on the business. For those that love Brainship, I get it. I get the story. I actually think that there's a lot to like about it. What I don't like about it is, is the valuation, especially in the context of the risks and hurdles that they have to overcome. So it's, it's, a, it's a wait and see for me. Thank you. Wait and see. That is not putting your money behind that one. I saw you smiling, <laughs> yeah. smiling through that. <clears throat> Excuse me, Nathan, what are you thinking? Yeah, look, Brainchip is one that uh, it's a hot stock on the way up and on the way down. Yeah. It's always around. People always talk about it. I, I, I love the blue sky. I mean, if they get what they're going for, it's huge. It's, it makes biotechs look like, you know, child's play. Yeah. Um, it, it is massive. But again, this is not a market for these kind of stocks. Two, three years ago, you buy every one of these blue sky stocks. When interest rates are nothing, this is what you buy. Interest rates are now high and likely to remain elevated for a number of years. Yes, don't listen to central banks. Uh, they got it wrong before, they're getting it wrong right now, they probably <laughs> will be wrong in the future. Interest rates are going to be higher than where they were, which means growth stocks will struggle. Some of these ones, they potentially will deliver, as Andrew said. It could be that they actually execute but they are against massive players. The likelihood is if they do come up with something, they go up 20, 30% on the day, and someone big comes in and writes a check and takes them out. Great, if that happens. But the, the, the flip side of that is they keep burning money and you keep playing mm -hmm. the capital raising and funding it. So till the, road, you know, till the tire hits the road, I don't jump into them in the current market. So we are in a value market, not in a growth market. So these kind of stocks, you do not go in till there's a pathway 
in towards profits and there is no pathway towards profit i love the concept it's a hot stock and the market loves it or hates it at any given time but this is not a market to jump in and it doesn't have the pathway yet so i'm not coming in okay thank you and the last before we hit a bit of a break money me so Nathan, i'm going to start with you on this one because if you are negative on the economic outlook if you believe that uh, there's some tougher times ahead do you want to be invested in a company that does personal loans and um, you know a, a credit card for everyday spending funding costs are rising you know like all of all of that yeah. it's complicated it is it is it's a tough outlook as i said at the start the consumer spending globally not just any particular country globally the consumers have basically borrowed even more than what they had before to keep their standard of living in an environment where costs have risen so even though the rates are going up they we're borrowing more and more money everyone's spending more and more credit so the, is the credit going to be i mean uh, i remember seeing that the bank default uh, um, levels are historical lows it's always historical lows before it goes crapshoot mm-hmm. so the banks have written down their bad debt provisions everything is set up for things to go wrong because everyone's assuming all the optimistic side of it now the problem here is i think a lot of these kind of stocks where short term lending uh you know buy now pay later all of that is telling you what the market is worried about and that's a fair enough uh, question now do is that going to turn around i doubt it in a high interest rate environment they struggle um and that will play out now the trick is what happens to consumer spending i think it weakens and that will play out as well because the central banks needed to weaken to get inflation down so these are the stocks I think the cycle of what it's driven by is consumer spending and debt and both of those are going to struggle this year. I'm not jumping into this sector. I am keeping an eye on it because what I think will happen is as the year plays out, I think there'll be a consolidation in that sector. Okay. And and that'll open up opportunities because as with anything, even in a bad sector, if you're the last man standing, you have the benefit mm-hmm. on the other side. So keep an eye on this sector because everyone hates it for the the right reason. I think it's going to struggle, but I think there might be opportunities on the other side, so I'm keeping an eye on it. Thank you. Andrew, what about you? I know that you talk a lot about opportunity cost. Um would you be buying, holding or selling money me? Uh, I don't own it. I I I won't be, so I I guess it has to be a sell. Um this is the kind of business that I, I get the um the contrarians within us, the value hunters within us are tempted because shares are down 90% in the last year, but as the old saying goes a stock that's down 90% is one that fell 80% and then dropped in half you know um and it can go down another 90% from here i don't think it will by the way but it's just it's just dr- trying to make that point of you know don't just again take your cue from the market and go it's down 90% ergo it's cheap not necessarily uh, again a very familiar theme here incredible top line growth a couple of years ago 53 million 131 million recently they just guided or reiterated their guidance for 200 million in top line in the current year it's incredible growth but the, the trouble is that, that as as that growth has happened i mean there's been the operating leverage has not appeared <clears throat> in fact the losses more or less have just continued to widen over that period hyper capital intensive business one that's much more difficult to fund they just did a new funding structure i think they announced that just a month or go or so and they think that that obviously adds a bit of certainty that's great news obviously it's at, at better uh terms and structures that's really good news and shares forget on a relative basis but just on a on a multiple basis we have to use price to sales because there's not much of another metric to use and on that on that basis it's a 0.3 times uh multiple which is pretty pretty low but Nathan's right to point out here i mean this is this is a business 
money lending is just great when things are going really, really well. But you have to be very good at loan origination. You have to make sure that you've got very stable and very cost effective and consistent access to capital. And you have to hope and pray that there are no major economic sh shocks because when that happens and the provisions go up and, and the re repayments don't come through, things can unwind very, very, very quickly. And, and so I'm, I'm a little bit nervous too on, the, on that macro front. We know that, what is it, 45% of fixed loans are, or all loans, is it, are refinancing this year at much higher rates? It's a, it's a tougher environment to go into. So, um, you know, uh, one to watch potentially, but it's just, again, just too risky for me. Thank you. All right, that brings us to the halfway mark. And that money me question was for Michael, who does point out that it seems as if they've run into some funding and debt issues recently. Stock of the day was Circo. Look, share price today is doing quite well off the back of an upgraded guidance being put forth for revenue. Um, look, it's a bit of an avoid, though, still for Andrew Page. It's still earnings negative. He wants to see a return to trend uh, uh, when it comes to top line growth. Does, though, have the potential to re-rate? And, and Nathan's got this one in his watch list. A lot comes down to execution, but he likes a little bit of New Zealand tech. It's a cyclical company. So again, keep your eye on the ball. All right. Number one nominated by you in SciTech Pivot. It's a hold for Nathan. He says it's not really that cheap, but he's a believer in the food thematic, that it still has a ways to play out. So he's holding, he owns it, he's holding. And uh, look, Andrew is happy to go with uh, Nathan's view on this one. Develop Global, it is an avoid for Andrew Page. The future is just so uncertain. It's an absolute avoid, actually. Nathan, though, is not as harsh. He says, look, Mineral Resources owns about 12% of the company. That's, a, that's an endorsement. He says, if you're in it, hold it. Otherwise, he wouldn't be buying right now. But uh, look, he does see, uh, you know, the, the appeal considering, uh, you know, the potential for a buyout or M&A or something to happen down the line. But, you know, you wouldn't be jumping into it today. EnviroSuite, well, Andrew's a long-term lover of this company, even though he has seen a lot of his uh, upside destroyed in the past year or so. He is in it for the long term. And it's a buy for him at this level. It's not for Nathan. He says buy it below eight cents. He says it's a classic trading stock. You will get an opportunity to buy. You should probably sell and take profits as well. It's on his watch list. He does like the specky blue sky for the company. Brainship, it is a wait and see for Andrew. You heard why. Uh, Nathan just points out yet again, this is a value market, not growth. The blue sky is amazing. Um, but look, it's sort of a binary outcome uh, still at this point. Money Me, it is a sell for Andrew and it is a, yeah, it's an avoid for Nathan, but he does have it on his watch list because keep in mind there could be some consolidation in this space later in the year and the best player will, will survive. All right, let's get to the investment committee update. So our portfolio has not been touched in a little while, but guess what? We've got a new episode of the investment committee coming out the first Tuesday of February. So we'll see how everything's changed. We've had a number of obviously adjustments in the month of December, and this is where we sit. Speaking of mineral resources, a holding of about 4.3%. I'd like to know what happens with some of these miners 
in the year to come and what the investment committee thinks of them. So far, the fund is up 12%. Nathan's giving himself a little pat on the shoulder <laughs> on a cumulative return basis since its inception on the 1st of March. So when we get two buys or two sells, we always put it from the investment committee, but the starting point is this program. So please do keep your requests coming in. We love covering the stocks that you want us to. At CMC, we've been in the game for a while, and although a lot of things have changed, our mentality hasn't. We aim to give experienced traders the best trading experience, like our expert platform with its second-to-none trading tools, plus our pricing is completely transparent. That's why people who've been trading for a long time stay with us for a long time. So if you're serious about trading, switch to the market leader trusted for over 30 years. Trade CFDs your way at cmcmarkets.com. You don't own underlying assets. Consider relevant PDS and TMD or information memorandum for CMC Pro accounts at our website. And on that, we've got ANZ, so we're heading into the big end of town. We've got Strike Energy, lots of news around that company. Arafura Rare Earths, I think it might have even had an update out today. Marley Spoon and Platinum Asset Management. So for Simon, Simon, if you are watching, if you are listening, information only, this is not financial advice. I think I'm going to take uh, a bit of a read of Andrew's take on the big banks. I mean, we were just talking about money me in the personal and small lending, uh, you know, non-bank lending area of the market. Um, yeah, do you think that we're in for some tougher times for the big banks as well? Oh, I'm going to go a long run up here, Nadine. Um, what uh, absolute disaster this has been. Well, disaster is probably too harsh, but given its its uh, market position, balance sheet strength, and all the rest of it, you would you would think that or expect from a company like this. It's been woeful. Shares are back to where they were in 2006. They're down 30% since 2015. Dividend. I mean, you know, the market's going to do what the market's going to do, but let's look at what the company can control. Dividends are below where they were five and ten years ago. And if you take consensus forecast, they're not going to get back to pre-pandemic levels for another two years. So, yeah, you've got a 6% yield. Yeah, that's fully franked and that's that's pretty attractive. But, but obviously what you want is a total return. And, um, you know... <laughs> He, he, again, I, I mentioned the word asymmetry before. So uh, a company of this size is never going to sustainably grow at, at very high rates. It's it's already saturated um, in the market. So you you can at best maybe three, four, five percent consistently. So you add that to your your yield, your potential average upside over the next cycle probably about ten percent. That's not terrible. But let's contrast that against what could go wrong. And again, I don't, I don't want to get into a, down a rabbit hole of, of property forecasts, but they've got a home loan portfolio that's a third of a trillion dollars. So I've just gone up another couple orders of magnitude here. Trillion dollars. Uh, so 336 something billion dollars across New Zealand and Australia. Look at what's happening to Kiwi house prices. Look at what's happening to Australian house prices. And, and, and let's not forget here, we don't have to have a property crash. Uh, we, what we really do need, I mean, you're going you're gonna to find these guys struggle even if things go sideways for a little bit here. But if, if something was to go wrong and they are having to increase their provisions, and as I said before, a bunch of refinancing is occurring at much higher rates here, you've got a lot of downside. So, you know, everything goes perfect. Uh, maybe I get a 10% average annual return. Maybe I'm being too conservative. Maybe you get 12, 13% if you're really lucky. Uh, but if I don't, maybe I can have have my value cut and cut by a third. I mean, it's just like where where is the the compelling narrative here, other than it's a blue chip that pays a good dividend yield? And I just think that 
for too long, these banks have been dining out on an incredible long structural run that they had sort of in the first part of the century. But really, the last the last decade, it's just, it's just been ordinary. I mean, huh. historically speaking, like NAB's done nothing. Westpac has done nothing. CBA's been pr- okay. Um, but, but they're all, I just, I just think that they are very boring at best and probably much more dangerous than they appear at the surface. So I, I, I've got no interest in going anywhere near it. Ooh, that is an so. avoid like the plague. All right, let's get to Nathan because we've had Macquarie downgrading the banks today. We know what you think about the economy going forward, but they do pay a dividend yield better than most. Uh, and- it's a massive sell. Um, look, I mean, I've, I've said for a number of months that CBA is a sell. It's the biggest sell in the market. And I will follow that up and say, not a single retail investor is going to sell CBA. <laughs> and they don't, they don't care what I tell them. Yeah. They're never going to sell it because they bought it really cheap and they're holding it. And that's fair enough. But if you're looking at a, a new investment um, and looking at banks, they look ugly. I mean, macro is, as Andrew said, it's shocking. Um, they have basically written down their bad debt provision to nothing uh, to keep the profits and the dividends are a portion of their profits. So when profit starts to fall, bad debt provisions go up, dividends will fall. So your dividend yield will be substantially lower. Um, and if that's happening, um, that'll spook the property market and that'll spook everything. Now, your best case scenario is the banks keep paying a decent dividend and they t- trend downwards. downwards. Um, and Andrew's right again, it's you know, in the last 15 years, the share price is actually lower, um, you know, if you exclude the dividends. NAB over 20 years has done nothing. It's pretty much flat. Uh, CBA is the only one that's done well, mainly because CBA benefits from the index level ETF flows. Mm-hmm. Um, so CBA is over $105 at the moment. Every time it gets there, in the, it's, it's been there for 18 months and it basically hasn't gone up. And we're talking about 18 months ago, that was, we're in the hottest property market in town and we are not in that now. So mm-hmm. in that context, the risk is all down. Um, basically, I wouldn't buy CBA. The other three are hell now. Okay. Um, and I mean, I'm not even buying Macquarie here. I think Macquarie, because not because it's a bank per se, because it's a um, high growth stock. Yeah. So I think in this market it struggles, but there'll be a time to buy Macquarie. If I was going to buy banks, I'd be buying Macquarie. And okay. I'm not buying Macquarie. Wow. Okay, so that's a big statement. Massive sell. Let's get to Strike Energy. This is for David. David, hello. So Strike's had a lot of news flow around it lately, hasn't it, Nathan? Oh, I mean, yeah. Wargo Energy, we had... Um, you know, it's, it's doing its own business still, obviously also connected to mineral resources, strike energy, and you put the price of oil as well, um, overlaid on that. What do you think? You look, uh, I'm positive on the energy sector. Um, yeah. and I think you have to be careful which, which areas you are. I mean, Borrego's had the, their dancing cards filled by numerous players, lots of billionaires, lots of big corporations. Yeah. Um, and that's played out well. Um, and I think the energy price remain supported. I, th- I think oil price will go up. Uh, we actually like the oil price here. We, one of the few oil producers in the Aussie market listed is Karoon. Mm-hmm. So we're a big fan of Karoon. Um, it's had a positive update today as well. So I, yeah. I'm, I'm a, it's in the portfolio as yeah, well. Yeah, I know. Yeah, I think um, that's thanks to yeah, you. So, you were yeah. shocked when it was I know. I was, I was like, I was going to get blocked, but it didn't. Um, look, I like Karoon. Um, I think the fundamentally it plays well. Uh, the regulatory risk is less. So you would rather Karoon over I strike? Would be, I would be on Karoon. Uh, okay. And I think the fundamental upside in the oil price, plus what they're doing operationally, plus the management, 
I'll be back in Karun. All right. Well, that is a bonus buy. We'll call it that from Nathan Samasandaram from Deep Data Analytics. Look, I know it's not the end of the market or the part of the market that you really are keen on, Andrew, but do you see uh, the opportunity for investors in Strike Energy from here? So a buy, hold, sell, you know, today. Yeah, sell for me, only because um, it's it's just too early stage. The interesting thing is, whenever you look at the market over the last pick a period, three years, five years, 10 years, the best performer is always an explorer that, that makes production. Like they're, the, they're the, best, the best possible returns you're gonna get on the market is something like a strike energy. But when we look at averages, it's always the worst performing sector. And what that tells you is that these are kind of like lottery tickets. So I'm sure someone will send me an email in 10 years when strike's gone up 100x and say what an idiot I was. But just just be mindful of those dynamics at play. The, ne- the best performing stock over the next three, five, 10 years, I'm sure it'll be something like this that goes from a, a, penny, stick, a penny stock type explorer that's, that, that actually does, you know, crosses all of the, the thresholds and hurdles and makes it, you know, like a Fortescue Metals once once did. They're incredible returns, but they are exceptionally rare. So I just, that, that's why it's a sell for me. Not, be, not because I think, oh, this is definitely going to be bad, but I know the odds are against me. What I will say quickly is I think that oil is the new tobacco. And I think that that's actually uh, ethics and ESG considerations aside. Um, I actually think that's very interesting. Tobacco stocks, even when you look at it today, have been some of the best performing companies out there. And, and why is that? Well, they know that they trade at very low multiples. So they tend to pay very, and they and they tend to be shy of reinvestment. So a lot of the cash flows that they earn end up in the pockets of shareholders, as opposed mm-hmm. to just being plowed back into new developments and new capex and new things like that. So you're getting high yields at low prices. You've got, uh, as Nathan was saying, um, higher prices. I agree. I think they're likely to remain elevated for a little while. So it's a very interesting dynamic there. If you're looking, if you're looking for something a little bit. Uh, out of the box there. I think you've got businesses that are going to be far more willing, far more resistant to new big spends, far more willing to to share yep. their, their spoils with shareholders and are trading, well, not so much anymore, but certainly not an extreme valuation. So I, I think as a sector, it's actually quite interesting. Okay, there you go. And Strike coming out today saying that it's got a fifth supplementary bidder statement for Warrego and also... Uh, another rig sharing agreement with mineral resources. Um, so yeah, lots of news flow around that. Also, our Afira Rare Earths is the next on the list for Rex. He says as an Alice Springs local, I'd love to hear what the panel thinks about our Afira Rare Earths. And today it was out with a quarterly update. And I'm just checking in on the share price. Yeah, up significantly off the back of that, Nathan, at 5.7% on the day, 56 cents. What do you think of our Fura again? It's one of those really hot sectors of the market. Everything rare earths is very 2022. Will it continue in 2023? <laughs> well, um, it's it's not rare. <laughs> that's for well, sure. That's, it's not rare. But, but it's, it's rare outside China. And that's well, it's where... true. And also, it's harder to execute the operation. Yeah. So it's more the process that's harder. Um, and that's why... Even in the model portfolio, we've actually, on the fantasy portfolio, we have Linus. Because yeah. they have the, you know, I started to sound like $6 million, man. they have the technology. <laughs> uh, and they have the process. And that's hard to execute. And that's hard to replicate mm-hmm. outside China. Yeah. So it's, it's one where, I, I think with Arafura, Everyone knows there's a lot of reverse broking going on. A lot mm-hmm. of fundies who own it have done well and they talk about it a lot. And I think the whole 
dynamics of having a supply outside China will play out. I yeah. think that's positive for the sector. Uh, but I think still think the process is so hard. You want to back the guys who've got the technology. So that's Linus. Linus is the way to go. I, I just, I mean, I am flabbergasted at how well they have managed that operations mm -hmm. and how well they've diversified and moved into US and Australia mm -hmm. and doing things despite regulatory issues because of all the waste disposal and all that. Um, it's amazing and it's every time I read about it I realize how bloody hard this operations yeah. are so yeah I'm not going outside hoping other people can execute I'm just going to stick to the guy who's got the experience and knows how to do it Linus has been there done that and I think if you want to play that it's hard to you know it's it's, it's a tough play and I, I'm, it's already hard enough mm -hmm. and you're trying to pick a thematic in a hard sector I'm going with the guy who's got the experience Linus for me is a much better play and much lower risk okay. in a high risk environment. Let's keep this a bit quick. Buy, hold, sell, Andrew. Sell. Sell. <laughs> All right, let's move I'll on. Very quickly, one. very yeah, quickly. Yeah. Like they, got, they got a good cash balance. They got an off-take agreement with Hyundai. That's nice. I think Hancock owns 10%. There's positives here, but, but again, no sales, bleeding cash. Well, it's all off in the future. Nathan makes the excellent point of, you know, the execution uh, risks around all of that. So it, it could be great, but I mean, you know, so could so could my Powerball numbers this week. Yeah, oh, wow. Okay, that's a big call. Marley Spoon. Now, Marley Spoon, MMM, ticker code for Nick. Andrew, I'm going to start with you on this one. Listed uh, delivery home food service, partnered with Woolworths. A lot of enthusiasm around this stock, particularly through the you know the COVID lockdown period but was it always destined to be a flash in the pan excuse the pun <laughs> because people's tastes changed because it wasn't making money and uh, you know how long do people continue with these subscription services over to you yeah it's such a tough one I mean 95 shares are down 95 percent since that COVID pop even 80 percent in the last year so, I mean, there are some really good examples of this business model working elsewhere, but there's a lot more examples of it not working. It's very tough. And the, the thing is here, they'll, they'll point a lot to the unit economics, which are, which are pretty attractive. Um, the trouble is, is that it's, it's so much money is spent on lead generation. So you spend a fortune in advertising to get someone, then you've got to hope that they stick around long enough to pay you back and then get a return. So they saw um, a, a re reasonable positive operating cash flow quarter. Again, this is what the market wants. Management aren't idiots, they know what they want. And so they've, they've delivered. How have they delivered? They've delivered by slashing marketing costs. Great, that's brilliant. But then that's where all your growth comes from. So you've got to be careful. I mean, look, if there's any unnecessary costs, slash them. But I would sort of say, why are you only waiting for tough times to do that? The best businesses always run lean. So they've delivered the market what it wants. I suspect that's going to impact on their on their um, subscriber growth. In fact, subscriber growth amongst the, the geographies that they operate in has sort of been single digits already. So it's kind of, I mean, look, it looks cheap. Maybe it is cheap. Too risky here. I, I, I've, I have... Uh, friends who have used it, I just don't get it. I think once you sort of figure out how to cook, you can just realize that I can just do this for a fraction of the cost by buying the ingredients directly, even if I get delivered yeah. through Woolies. So I don't get it. It's not for me. Too hard basket. Okay, too hard basket. What do you think, Nathan? Again, I saw you sort of yeah, nodding along. It's, 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 it's a, a fad, right? Yeah. You go through these fads. We all know. It's yeah. like, you know, suddenly I'm a chef because I'm locked in my house. Um, and suddenly I cut my own hair. Uh, you know, th these things we all think are good. <laughs> it's grown out. Yeah. It's grown out a bit, maybe. <laughs> yeah, it's time for another one. Um, 
it, it is a bit like that. So I didn't get it why it ran so hard. Uh, and I'm not really shocked that it's come back hard. Um, look, Woolies are now uh, building um, click and pick up. So you can drive into the oh, car park and pick up. It's Jack to boot. Yeah. Yes. Um, and <laughs> that, it's funny because I don't know, 15, 10, 15 years ago when I was living in Austin, Texas, restaurants had that. Yeah. You order and then you go drive in the car park and they bring it to you and then you drive off. So it's funny how these things yeah. you know, come through. So yeah, that's one. And then you're seeing um, number of the delivery uh, operations go under. So that's telling you that the market mm -hmm. is dying. So yeah, this is going to be tough. Uh, I don't see the upside. Again, like Andrew, I was shocked when it went up. I'm not shocked when it came down. I think it's going to be struggling. I don't see related businesses doing well. So I suspect this is going to be struggling. They would have to burn a lot of cash to build up the, the churn rate of their customer base. So which means they're probably going to have to come for cap raising. Yeah, I just don't see the upside. Yeah. Until the numbers start to pick up, there's no need to be there. So you'd sell it, you'd avoid it if you're not in it. All yeah. right, let's get to Platinum Asset Management. It is the lucky last on the list. Nathan, with these fund managers, I'm told time and time again, watch the fund flows. What are funds under management doing for Platinum? Yeah, uh, it's, yeah it's not there yet. Um, I'm, I'm looking at all the fund managers um, and I like share price. I mean, they, most of them talk it up well, uh, but they have to. But the reality is you look at the fund floor, you look at the share prices, the market knows, market doesn't like it yet. Platinum, you know what? I want to like it. I really do. I think they, I think they, 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 got, in, they got hit more than the rest and got hit early. Um, so I think they'll be the first one to move out. And I am keeping an eye on it. I am not jumping in yet. I think the market is due for another leg lower and these guys manage assets. So if asset prices yeah. go down, their fees go down. So I think there's another leg down. But when that next leg plays out, I am going to buy fund managers and I'm, Platinum is near the top of my list to buy. I'm going to say that that's a watch list stock. Yeah. What about you, Andrew? I mean, I don't think you would invest in fund managers as a general rule, but others do. Is this a company that's got good fundamentals for when the market turns? Yes, potentially. I mean, history is is isn't something that you should just um, naively extrapolate. But it's it has been a pretty ordinary kind of performer for for shareholders. I mean, shares were five dollars ten years ago. They're two dollars today. Uh, even if you go back five years, you know, shares were eight dollars. They're two dollars today. Three years ago, uh, shares were you know four fifty two dollars today. And and the, the fundamentals kind of reflect that. So, um, you know, could could things turn around? Yes, potentially. Um, I, I just tend to think you're either a stock picker or you're not. And if you're not a stock picker, buy an ETF. I mean, life's life's too short, right? It's easy. You guaranteed the market average. Statistics um, and, and studies will tell you that most fund managers, when you in fact factor in uh, the, the fees, underperform. So you've either got to have extreme confidence in the fund manager, uh, and that's fine. And I think if you're going to do that, there's a lot of really cool boutique funds out there that just hyper-focused, able, don't have huge funds under management, which actually gives them an advantage. They can do things that the big guys can't. Um, but for these ones, it's just sort of, yeah, you know, buy an ETF and go play golf or something. It's 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 certainly, you certainly would have been much better off had you done that instead of investing in platinum asset management in recent years. Well, Helen, Benjamin, that's your answer from both of our expert guests. All right, bit of a recap before we say goodbye. ANZ, it's an absolute disaster. In Andrew's words, he would avoid it like the plague. It's a massive sell. 
for Nathan. So yeah, take that as you will. Strike energy too early for Andrew, so it would be a sell for him. Uh, the bonus buy is Karun. Look for the producer. Karun is proven. That's where Nathan's put his money. Our Fura Rare Earths, again, a bit of a bonus buy. Linus, it's producing. It's got the processes down. It's got the relationships even in the U.S. when it comes to rare earths. It's a sell, our Fura, I should say, for Andrew. Cash balance, okay. Offtake agreements in place, but still too early stage. Marley Spoon is too hard basket for Andrew as well. Boy, I don't think we found much that you liked today, Andrew. That's okay. We love honesty, uh, except for Envirosuite, of course. Marley Spoon, it's a sell. It's an avoid for Nathan because, look, you're going to be tapped on the shoulder for cash, likely. He's not shocked that it's come back to earth after that COVID peak. And Platinum Asset Management, um, look, you heard what the guys just said about this one. They would not be buying today, but Nathan's got it on his watch list for when the worm turns, as it always does, as you well know. Andrew Page, strawman.com. An absolute pleasure to have you back on the program. We do hope that we Thank get to do so it much. again soon. Yeah, speak Me soon. Too. Thank you. And Nathan Samasandaram, a stalwart <laughs> of the program. So nice to have you in studio as always. Thanks and uh, look, I'm glad we got you out of the house. Yes, <laughs> and, uh, so am I. Yeah, you can get the haircut while you're in the city as well, maybe. And we look forward to seeing you again yeah. as always. All right, thank you for watching. Thank you for sending in the requests. And you can continue to do so at the call, osbiz.com.au. Well, guess what's next? The small caps is next. Philip Pepe from Sean Partners has a couple of stocks, small cap stocks. You uh, should, yeah, run the ruler over. David Scott's your host. They'll be back in just a moment. Even on a budget, quality is non-negotiable. That's why Quince is the place to score high-end essentials at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Get your hands on buttery soft cashmere sweaters from just 60 bucks, Italian leather jackets, and so much more. And the best part about Quince? They exclusively partner with factories committed to safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Elevate your style without the elevated price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns.